0: Come Holy Spirit come, come as the wind and cleanse, come as the fire and burn. Convict, convert, and consecrate our lives until we are wholly yours. Amen. I'll apologize in the beginning for my voice today. I had to go off of all of my allergy medications, so I'm a little stuffy because of my preparation for surgery this week. I remember as a young child being absolutely fascinated with other languages and cultures. I think perhaps it had something to do with the presence of National Geographic magazines in our home and in my grandparents' home. I would spend hours looking through them and imagining myself in some of those places around the world. There was definitely a fascination with the exotic and what I recognize from my perspective today as a certain kind of colonial mentality, which is to say my world is the normative and all these others as well, the other. From the age of about seven or so, I developed a particular interest in Japan and East Asia. Something about its people and its traditions and its aesthetics spoke to me. And when I was in high school and learned that my school had a foreign exchange program. I got excited and I applied for it and got a scholarship and convinced my parents that they should let me to go. And so I spent the summer of 1971 living in Japan with a Japanese family, studying the language, learning the customs. It was while I was there that summer that President Nixon announced that he would be going to China, ending Nearly 40 years of impaired relations between our two countries. The idea of being a bridge between countries and cultures was always intriguing to me. I began to imagine that someday I might become a diplomat, perhaps become the U.S. ambassador to Japan, thinking very lofty thoughts about myself. My high school class did vote me most likely to become president of Japan but I was interested in other cultures and languages too. I took every opportunity I could, both in high school and college, to study a new language, and eventually had studied eight or nine different languages, but never, I must admit, achieving the high degree of fluency that I would like to have had in any of them. I was a dabbler in most of them, except for Japanese, which I majored in in college, and at one time was able to read Japan's major newspapers. I also grew up in a part of the Christian tradition that took today's reading from the book of Acts quite seriously, where it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. My family was steeped in the Pentecostal tradition for several generations, And one of the very first verses of Scripture that we would commit to memory as children was the story we heard today from that second chapter of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire fell on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began speaking in other tongues as a Spirit gave them utterance. That's my best recollection of the King James Version of that passage. Ecstatic experiences of speaking in tongues were not uncommon in the church in which I grew up. As I grew older and went off to college, I developed an academic interest in this phenomenon, and I wrote papers on it for linguistics courses. Doing my best to understand it and what it might possibly mean, not so much from a theological point of view as from a social and psychological and phenomenological perspective. The story in the book of Acts has one important distinction from those experiences of my childhood in church, and that is that those who were speaking in other tongues were speaking in languages that could be understood by the people who had come from all those places around the Mediterranean world for this Jewish feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. But whatever happened that day, it was in the sight and in the hearing of many people. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these those who are are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, In our own native languages, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Now, these people were not speaking in some nondescript language, but in the languages of all those who had gathered in Jerusalem for Shavuot. And whatever else this phenomenon might have been, it was part of an unfolding story that said, what has happened here in relation to this Jesus of Nazareth is not simply a matter of local concern— not only related to the Jewish religion from which it has sprung or only to the people of Israel, but it has meaning and it has relevance for the whole human family, no matter where they are from or what their language or culture. It was consistent with Jesus' own commission to his disciples just ten days before at the ascension when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And indeed, they did receive power. And yes, they did become witnesses both near and far. Within a single generation, those first disciples had made their way west as far as Spain, and east to Persia and even to India, south into Africa. North to Armenia, it was clear that this movement would not be limited to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, but would extend to the whole world. Within the first century, it had made its way to pagan areas off the northwest coast of Europe in the British Isles, and it had traveled most likely as far also as China and Japan. The experience of Pentecost and its tongues of fire was a sign that the good news of Jesus would be proclaimed in many languages and in many cultures and that there would be no holding it back. The followers of Jesus in all their diversity and complexity became over time the largest religious movement in history. And in spite of lots of ups and downs and at times outright abandonment of the core meaning of the gospel, It has endured until now, and here we sit today. In recent centuries, the Christian community was thought to be primarily a phenomenon of Europe and the Americas, which, of course, was not at all its origins, and neither is it most likely its future. Over the past 50 years or more now, there has been a shift to the global south. Today, there are more Christians in Africa than on any other continent on earth. And Africa is said to be the global center of Christianity for decades to come, if not longer. At the same time, many tens of millions of Christians now live and worship in China and Korea and other parts of Asia, making this movement truly a global phenomenon. While there are many challenges to the integrity of the Christian faith, internal divisions and schisms, historic ties to colonialism and patriarchy, widely divergent cultural expressions, institutional inertia and resistance to change. There is one thing that binds us together, and that is the love of God made manifest in Jesus of Nazareth and abiding in us and all who follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are blessed here at Trinity week in and week out to have a little picture of that vast company of saints who are being gathered into God's reign of justice, peace, and love. We live here in the middle of a global city that, has, that draws people from every corner of the world, many here into our own neighborhood and indeed into our own parish. And we see reflections of that as we gather here around this table each and every week. Today at the peace, we will also hear the voices of people who have come here from far and near as they speak in the case of some in their native languages and others in languages they have learned, bidding us all to share in the peace of Christ. So may that vision, this vision of a people gathered from many places and cultures and languages, uh, that vision of a people renewed in the spirit, transformed by the power of God's love, and having found our common identity in the one who bears the image of God so perfectly, Jesus of Nazareth, may that vision motivate us to draw others into this fellowship and into its mission to bear God's love into the world around us. That is the true spirit of Pentecost.